0: Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder. So we've been going through a series on prayer, specifically looking at the Lord's Prayer, what Jesus has to say about prayer. And one of the reasons I wanted to do this series is that sometimes when it comes to the Lord's Prayer or, or aspects of the faith that we do so often, we get so familiar that we kind of take the underlying meaning for granted. don't really engage our conscious mind when we're praying it. We just get used to praying it. So taking this prayer line by line, and today we come to forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And uh, we're going to look at one of the most important concepts of faith. So let's head to North Shore Vineyard. Thanks for listening. gone without a meal in my life except on purpose you know <laughs> I can tell I fasted sometimes I got my jaw broken right before I became a Christian I, I had some guys jump me and got my jaw broken in two places and so I, I, I did a one month fast one time it was hard I was working in a Mexican restaurant waiting tables So I had to serve people food, but I couldn't eat any. And it got so low at one point. I was doing a delivery one night, and I was smelling them fajitas in the side of the car. And I was just like, I popped open their little order of fajitas and took me a little piece of meat. It was a low point in my life. I I, I gave my life to Jesus at the end of that fast, honestly. (laughs) Honestly. But oftentimes I find praying, give us this day our daily bread. I'm not really asking God to give me bread because I got bread today. I got more than bread. I got clothes. I got a roof over my head. I've even got air conditioner and Wi-Fi and a refrigerator. I'm rich. I got more than than I know what to do with. So oftentimes I find that part of the prayer is just, Lord, thank you for giving me everything I need today. It's an acknowledgement that it doesn't come from my job. It comes from the source of all goodness. Yeah, maybe the job's involved with it, but it's acknowledging that every good and perfect gift comes from God. But today, we enter into a line that is so, so important in the Christian journey that if you don't get this part, you will never experience transformation. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. This is where we learn something interesting about the faith journey that has much less to do with what you believe than what you actually do. Did you ever notice when Jesus, like, invited the disciples to follow him, he didn't give them, like, a quiz? Like, Peter, real quick, before you lay down those nets and we go catch some people, (laughs) I need to know that you are theologically on the right page. I need to make sure that your doctrine is, is, is correct. I need to make sure that you acknowledge me as the Messiah and all that. No, Jesus said, just follow me. That's action. We don't learn about God... And then start following God. We follow Jesus and we learn about God. It's embodied. It's action. James, the brother of Jesus, would go on to write an epistle, the epistle of James. And uh, in that epistle, he writes this. And I'm using the message translation for this because I like the way he puts this. A little bit more understandable. Dear friends... Do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half starved and say, Good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? I can hear, I can already hear one of you agreeing by saying, sounds good. You take care of the faith department and I'll handle the works department. Not so fast. You can no more show me your works apart from your faith than I can show you my faith from apart from my works. Faith and works, works and faith fit together together hand in glove it's so funny i've i've over the years being in christianity i've 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 heard so many you know people arguing about are we saved by faith or saved by works and you know the protestants say you know faith and catholics say works or whatever that's the caricatures of one another it's both i'll use this example as as a as a musician i i think one of the best things that i've found I hadn't taken piano lessons since I was about 12 years old. I took about four, piano, four years of piano lessons, but I kind of stopped around 12. But I came across YouTube videos, and it, there's thousands of videos out there that can teach you how to play better, and I, I just realized a few months ago, I was like, I want to become a better piano player. You know, I want to step up my game a little bit. So I've been watching videos on YouTube each week about scales and modes and music theories and different things. Now, would that benefit me much at all if I watched 15 hours of YouTube videos every week and I learned how to talk about music theory and I learned the, all the stuff? That, would that help me at all if I never actually touched a piano? No. Why is it that we have turned faith into primarily making sure you've got all your beliefs right? You know, there's a term I came across a few years ago called slacktivism. My name's Crispin. I'm a recovering slacktivist. (laughs) Slacktivism is a term that speaks to how quickly we will share our opinion on Facebook on the issues of the day. Immigration school shootings whatever it is whatever the issues blo- Donald Trump's tweets you know whatever whatever the thing is that got you all wound up and you take to to social media and you vent you may even change your profile picture and then you do nothing on the ground with anybody that's affected by that issue I know nobody in here does that but I've heard of people that do that <laughs> I once knew a guy <laughs> The thing with slacktivism is you feel like you're doing something. I just told that dude what's up. I I set him straight. And you can close your laptop sitting in your recliner and you're like, I really did something to make the world a better place. You didn't. You just added to the noise. (laughs) You just added to the noise and the polarization of society. If you really cared about that issue, if you really cared about it, then how about getting up off your couch and finding some people affected by that issue? No, man, I think I'd rather just share my opinion. That's slacktivism. And that's the opposite of what James is talking about here. And in the Lord's Prayer, when we come to this line, we find something very, very important. When we ask God for something, we better be willing to extend the very thing we're asking for to other people to the extent that we can. I mean, obviously, there's some things that God can do that we can't, you know. But Jesus says to pray, forgive us our sins. As we forgive those who sin against us, you know, Jesus will go on in the, in the sermon on the Mount to say, don't judge, lest you be judged. God, I don't want you to judge me. How many of y'all want God to judge you for every bad thing you've done in life? How many of y'all are listening to me? (laughs) I don't want God to judge me. Well, am I judging other people? I want God to love me. Well, am I ready to love other people? I want God to forgive me. Well, am I ready to forgive other people? See, this little line here, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, this is probably one of the most important aspects of the Christian faith. You know, A couple weeks ago, we talked about the kingdom of God coming on earth as it is in heaven. And there's different ways that this looks, but... Honestly, one of the major ways the kingdom of God shows up, it's not in miracles or healings or all that spectacular stuff. It's forgiveness. I mean, think about the apostle Paul. We think of the apostle Paul as this, you know, saint, but he was a he was a terrorist. He was a religious fundamentalist terrorist who like he would hunt people down who disagreed with how he viewed God. And he would even have some of them killed. Until, on the road to Damascus, when he was making the journey to hunt more people down for disagreeing with him, he actually bumped into Jesus. Imagine spending your whole life thinking you're helping God out to find out, ooh. <laughs> and there's no other writer in the entire Bible... That writes so much about the grace of God And reconciliation As the Apostle Paul That very forgiveness That he he experienced When he bumped into Jesus It was a trademark Of everything that Paul did And look I get why we don't like the whole forgiveness thing Because Forgiveness is hard It's really hard And sometimes we think that forgiveness is actually like, you know, like saying, oh, that's okay. It's not saying something's okay. It's saying, you did me wrong, and you owe me, but I'm canceling the debt. That's forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't gloss over injustice, but it says, I'm not going to give you what you deserve just because you hurt me. And look, that's hard. I remember when I was a young Christian, I'd only been a Christian a few years, and the church we were part of got all, like, super whacked out and crazy, like, started turning into a cult and stuff, and I remember coming out of that experience, you know, in my early 20s, and I was just like, I was hurt, man. I was, like, so confused. I mean, I I didn't even think of it as much of a cult until, like, years later, me and Dean are watching some documentary on people coming out of cults, I was like... Wait, <laughs> <laughs> kind of sounds like us. <laughs> when you've been under spiritual abuse, you've been under manipulation and control, and you've had somebody, you know, that has been telling you what to believe and, 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 and you know, constricting everything, man, it, it's a hard thing to walk away from. And I remember for the first two years, after I left that place, I'd get up every morning and I'd pray. And my prayer was, Lord, help me to forgive this person. I want to forgive them. I forgive them. But I don't feel any better. I didn't feel any better. But I knew I don't want bitterness and resentment to define my story. I don't want what somebody else did to me, whether willfully or ignorantly, I don't want what somebody else has done that has brought harm to my life to define me forever. And so every morning I kept praying, Lord, I forgive this person. I want to let them go. And I'd pray that prayer every morning. And finally, after about two years of praying that prayer, day after day, I finally started feeling like I'm Okay. That's two years, folks. Two years of praying the same thing. I'm not saying that what Jesus is asking us to do here is easy. It's a lot easier in the short run to not forgive people. It's a lot easier to just get angry when somebody does you wrong or when somebody rips you off. It's a lot easier and a lot more natural to just let that offense take root in your heart. But forgiveness is one of those primary tools that God uses to shape us to be more like Christ. And look, Jesus didn't ask us to do anything that he wasn't willing to do. I mean, think of that. Jesus, with his body hanging on a cross, his final breaths, what does he say? Father, forgive them. They don't even have a clue what they're doing. I mean, think about that. I mean, the last thing you have to say while you're hanging, bloody, beaten, is to offer forgiveness. What a powerful thing. This is spiritual formation, folks. This is how we are formed to become more like Christ. How we are formed to become our true selves. We pray this prayer. It is a reminder that this is central to our faith. I was talking with my daughter a couple of months ago. She was you know, she's in her t- she's 20 and she was, you know, trying to navigate her life and try to figure out how to, you know, be an adult and all that stuff. And as I was talking with her, you know, she was wondering like what am I going to do? I said, you know, the question of what do you do with your life? That's a good question. But there's a much more important question. What kind of person do you want to be? What kind of person do you want to be? Because throughout your life, you're probably going to do all kinds of things. But what kind of person are you going to be? And I told her, I said, you know, if I die tomorrow, as far as I know, I've got my accounts settled. I don't have unforgiveness towards anybody that I know of, unless there's some deep hidden thing that will be revealed. As far as I know, I've tried to live a life of keeping the accounts cleared. Sometimes it's been easier than others. But if I die tomorrow, I'm confident that I've left things where they need to be. I mean, I could always do better. Look, I'm not saying I'm a saint. (laughs) But I'm saying that's what you want to aim for. Forget about all the things you want to do with your life. You want to be the type of person that can enjoy the very things that life brings you, the very joys and pleasures of life, because you're not saddled with resentment and unforgiveness and bitterness and always stuck in your head wondering what other people are thinking or or cynical about everybody else because you've just been hurt and that hurt's festered into wounds and just poisoned you. That's why this is so important, folks. Because it has more to do with who you are, who you are. And this morning, you know, I could talk about forgiveness a little bit longer, but I want to, as as I often do, I want to close by singing a song. And this is a song from a group called the Avett Brothers. Uh, You may know the Avett Brothers, but uh, I'm going to try to sing this song. I got to admit. About every time I hear this song, I get choked up. And when I was trying to sing it yesterday, I was getting choked up. So I'm going to try to, like, uh, sing this song and not get choked up. But this is a song called No Hard Feelings. And um, I've even got the words to go up there on the screen. So you can, in case my uh, articulation gets a little compromised... You can still see what I'm singing. And and I just, all I ask today as I close the service by singing this song, I want you to reflect on your own life. Is there some place in my life where there's hardness, where there's coldness, where I need to make things right? And maybe ask God for the grace and the courage to step out and do that today. When my body won't hold me anymore And it finally lets me free Will I be ready? When my feet won't walk another mile And my lips give their last kiss goodbye Will my hands be steady When I lay down my fears My hopes and my doubts The rings on my fingers And the keys to my house With no hard feelings When the sun hangs low in the west And the light in my chest Won't be kept Held at bay any longer And when the jealousy fades away And it's ash and dust For cash and lust And it's Just hallelujah And love in the thoughts And love in the words And love in the songs that they sing in the church And no hard feelings The Lord knows they haven't done much good for anyone, that kept me afraid and cold, with so much to have and hold, mm. When my body won't hold me anymore And it finally lets me free Where will I go? Will I join with the ocean blue Or run into the Savior true? And shake hands laughing And walk through the night Straight to the light Holding the love I've known all my life And no hard feelings Lord knows they haven't done Much good for anyone That kept me afraid and cold With so much to have and hold And under the curving sky I'm finally learning why It matters for me and you To say it and mean it too For all of life's loveliness And all of its ugliness, good as it's been to me, I have no enemy. I have no enemies, I have no enemies, I have no enemies.